Before Shelly and I came to Connection Point, we lived overseas for 10 years in Jerusalem and Sudan, and I was in conversation with Shelly before we left for Sudan, because it dawned on me, I, I hadn't asked, you know, I asked, where, where have you been overseas? And, and she said, well, uh, Belgium. I said, okay. And uh, I just thought, you know, Sudan will be an interesting place. If you've never been to a third world country, and now you're going to go live there, uh, there's some things we'll have to kind of figure out as we go. And, and I had been to a couple of third world countries, and, but even in those visits, as we landed in Sudan and start to uh, try to communicate, you've got to learn new languages, you've got to learn new customs, you've got to learn new ways of life, and, and, and what happens is you experience a bit of a culture shock, they call it, and, and so the way you overcome that is then you start to embrace the place you live, you start to learn the new languages, you, you start to figure out the new customs, and you just start to make those things a part of your life, and, and what's interesting as a pastor, as I've looked at people that, that step into a church place, and especially if they've come from an unchurched background, like it's just kind of unfamiliar to them, and, and we live in a community where that's the case for lots of people. And so we have this awesome opportunity to help people understand this life of following Jesus and the culture that's, that's a part of that. But that also includes learning kind of new language. You know, I was thinking about how weird would it be to walk up to somebody in Walmart, again, out of context, and, and ask them, you know, like, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? <laughs> if you don't know Christian culture at all, be like, um, no, uh, I hope not. Uh, laundry aisles, aisle 10, if you need some help in that department, kids stay close to me, we're leaving, you know, like, that would be weird, right? I'm like, you've got to learn new language, like, that's an incredible term as it relates to biblical knowledge, but, you know, there's a context there. So, as new believers come into the church, then there's a bit of a culture shock that happens, and so, then there's things that you need to learn about, you know, new customs, baptism, and communion, and and things like prayer. And, and so the message today as we head into a message on prayer, if you're new to church, this is a great opportunity for you to learn what's really valuable, a thing that could be, it should be important to your life, prayer and, and Bible reading. These things help sustain you. But maybe you've been in church for a long time, but maybe your, your prayer life is not where it should be. And so we revisit these scriptures to say, how are you doing in prayer? It's really, really important. And so that's where we're going to head today. So if you have your Bibles... Hey, I hope you do. I hope you've got a Bible with you. Uh, we want people in God's Word, really important, God's instruction book. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible with you, they're underneath the, the seat in front of you. You're welcome to grab one of those and follow along as we head into Luke chapter 11. So we've been in this series in Luke, and so we're just continuing to study the teachings of Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. We stand simply out of reverence for the fact that God gave His Word to us, and we don't take that lightly. We're so thankful that we've got these words to live by. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. This is now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. We left off a couple of weeks ago in Luke, and we talked about this passage where Jesus had been invited into the home of Mary and Martha. And as Jesus was teaching, Mary, one of the sisters, was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha was busy serving everybody. And, and so she comes and tells Jesus, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. 
I, I won't get into that too much. I just think it's interesting. Don't we approach Jesus sometimes like telling him what to do? Uh, let me just say, so that's not the sermon today, but let's be careful of that. Um, anyway, Jesus should be telling us what to do. So as we look at this passage, you know, and so Jesus, his love and response is, Martha, Martha, you're so anxious about so many things. Mary's chosen the one thing. I love that phrase, the one thing that really matters. Spending time with Jesus in that moment. You know, Martha was concerned about what other people were thinking and her form of hospitality. It was representing her to, to the people that were there. But Jesus says, Mary's chosen a good thing here. Let's not, let's not rebuke her. And basically, why don't you come, come join her? And so what I find interesting as we jump from this passage to this one is we have this passage where Jesus is giving instruction to say, this is what matters to spend time with me. And, and then he models for us that, and by the way, I do this too. He says that we find Jesus in the posture of prayer. So not only does Jesus teach us it's important, but he shows us it's important. We need to be people of prayer. And, and what I find interesting in this passage is the disciples, they approach Jesus. They understand Jesus does some incredible things and they're now beginning to link it to prayer. And so the first thing we find in our passage is for us to pray, we must first have a desire to be used by God. I really think that's why the disciples approached Jesus asking him, teach us how to pray. They wanted to be used by God in some extraordinary ways. If you head back to Luke chapter 9, we were there a little while ago, and, and Jesus takes Peter and James and John up to a mountain it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is transfigured. He's shown in all his brilliance and glory. The disciples see him talking with Moses and Elijah. And Peter says, Jesus, this is awesome. I know you've been talking about, you know, dying daily, but why don't we just stay up here on the mountain? This is incredible. Let's pitch some tents. We don't need to go back down to the valley. And does Jesus say, you know, you're right. That's what we should do. We should just stay up here. Is that what he does? No way. He heads back in the valley because Jesus says, you get to witness my glory so that you can go and take me and do incredible things in my name. So they head back down into the valley. They encounter this dad who's got a demon-possessed son. And the, the dad approaches and says, Jesus, I've asked your disciples to help me. They couldn't do anything to heal my son. Can you do something? And Jesus says, absolutely. He heals the son. And what you find, not in Luke's account, but Mark's account. So we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. New Testament books of the Bible that talk about Jesus, and some of these have corollary accounts of the same episode. And so what we find in Mark's gospel is after Jesus does this, the disciples ask Jesus, why could we not cast him out? Why could we not do what you did, Jesus? That's what they're asking. And we find in Mark chapter 9, it says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So there was power in the prayer life of Jesus. And what we find then here a couple of episodes later, we're in Luke chapter 11, the disciples approach Jesus to say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And that's why I really believe that if you want to have a prayer life, you first must have a desire to be used by God. Otherwise, what are you praying for? If we're just praying for ourselves for things, not to say God won't grant those prayers, but I think God wants us to do so much more. You have been invited to an incredible life. You are important in the kingdom of God. God wants to use you in incredible ways, but you first need to receive that invitation and say, okay, God, I want to be used by you. Help me to pray like you pray so that I can be used effectively in your name. It all stems from there. So do you have a heart to be used by God? If so, you can have an incredible prayer life. Because if you don't have a desire to be used by God, here's what I'm convinced of. Even if you commit to a good prayer life for like a month, maybe two months, 
Eventually, you stop praying because you don't have a real good reason to keep praying. But if you're being used by God day in and day out, you realize, God, I need to be with you. (laughs) Otherwise, I can't live this life on my own. So to pray, you must have a desire to be used by God. But then Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. And where does he start? He starts with realignment. So to pray, we must realign with God. That's the first part of the prayer. Jesus says, here's what you say. Here's how you pray. You say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. There's three parts there. But it's all about realigning ourselves with God. And what we find is then on the back end, then there's results. So I think too often we fall into the default of we're praying for the results. God, I need food on the table. God, I need clothes on my my back. God, I need a house, a roof over my head. And so we just start there in the results, but we forget the realignment piece. And that realignment piece is really, really important. So what I want you to understand this morning is realignment leads to results. So what does realignment lead to? Man, you've got to get a hold of that this morning from this prayer. It's really, really important. So we've got to start with realignment. And how does it start? Father. The word Abba. At the time that Jesus is giving this teaching on prayer to the disciples, there was 18 prayers in common. And there was different introductions for each one of those. You could open with God, you know, of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Joseph. So they could start there. Or you could start with Holy One. You could start with Father. That was an option. And so of all the different introductions, Jesus chooses Father. And it's interesting Because in the Old Testament, God is referred to as like a father, but now in this prayer, Jesus just says, Father, Abba. The best translation we probably have of Abba would be both father or dad or daddy. That it's both one of reverence, but also one of real closeness. So when Jesus is praying, he's praying to a father who's close. He's praying to a father who's good. I was thinking about Jesus, he opens the prayer in this way. And I know some people that have really struggled with God as Father. Because unfortunately, their earthly father wasn't a real great role model of what that should look like. But could I encourage you this morning? Instead of approaching God with what your view of a father is, why don't you allow God to define what father is? That's really what we need to do. And the best way for us to understand when Jesus says, Abba, when he's saying, pray to Father, how do we interpret that? The best way to interpret scripture is through scripture. Jump ahead to Luke chapter 15, parable of the prodigal son. Jesus talks about an incredible father. That's his definition of father, one who's caring, one who's forgiving, one who's compassionate. This is the father Jesus has in view. And the reason that we need to realign with God as our good father is if we don't believe he's good, it's hard for us to believe he's going to follow through with good gifts. But he will. So we start with Father, and then where do we go? Hallowed be your name. What we're really saying there is, God, we know that your name is holy. You make your name holy, and I need to be holy. What we're praying is, God, sanctify your name in me. Glorify your name in me. Let me glorify your name today. That's what we're praying. And how do we glorify God's name? Through obedience. So we're praying is, God, help me be obedient to your word, and as I do that, I know that your name is glorified. What I'm saying in that context is, is God's name is at stake in you. That's weighty. God's name is at stake in us, the way that we represent him, and we can't take that lightly. 
That's why we talk about being good neighbors. Your neighbor, if they have no other witness in their life, their only representation of God is you. How are you living out God-like qualities? The good news is this. The reason we pray, God, glorify your name in me, is because you can't do that on your own. You don't stand a chance. So we ask God, Holy Spirit, help me to live like you because I know I'm shining you to others around me. So it's not up to you, it's up to God, but you've got to commit to God in prayer for it to be up to him. So God, I know that you're good. I want to be good. I want your name to be glorified in me. And I want you to know God answers those prayers. And I was reflecting on this message. I, I always work on messages a couple of weeks in advance so I can just kind of sit in them for a while and and I had gone through Sam's Club. So this was my reflection on this point of God's names at stake in us. So Shelly and I married 22, at, at 22 years old. And by my mid-20s, I like going to Sam's Club. I mean, you know, Sam's Club. Who wants tortilla chips when you can have tortilla chips? Right? <laughs> like, what an awesome store. But I have one problem with Sam's Club. When I, when I was mid-20s, so I've already, you know, two weeks ago, I, I confessed that I was into this mode of living a hurried life. Like, I just always have to, you know, get to what's next, get to what's next. To, and that's a problem. God has really helped me over 10 years of, like, reducing hurriedness. Now, I still might be busy, but I don't have to live hurried. And, and but my problem with Sam's Club was this. You have to check out twice. You stand in line. I have paid for my products, and, and now I'm going to stand in line again to show you I paid for my products. I didn't like this system. I like systems. I like organizations, and I just felt like this is, this is a system I'm not happy with. So now fast forward a couple more years after that, I'm still dealing with my Sam's Club and, and now we're about to head overseas. And I had the idea, I'm leaving the country. You know, I could just, what are they going to do if I, I just blow past them with my cart and keep on going, you know? Are they going to chase me in the parking lot? Even if they do, what, what are they going to do? You know, put me on Sam's Club probation? I mean, if I'm leaving the country, I could, you know, my name will be cleared by the time I get back. So I run this idea past Shelly, and so husbands, I always encourage you, run all ideas by your wives. <laughs> Part of the reason we get married is because we have ideas that really shouldn't be fulfilled. <laughs> so I tell Shelly, this is my idea. And part of that is I need her help, because I'm going to be running out to somewhere. She's got to be the getaway vehicle, you know? <laughs> um, I'm sure you realize that Shelly was not in favor of this idea. Uh, she saved me from, you know, walking through with that plan. You know, God's name was at stake in me, if, if I'm honest with myself. And that's obviously part of the reason that blowing past somebody and, you know, somebody realizes that, you know, you're, you're about to go overseas so you can share Jesus with others there. Like, that's not a real great witness, you know. Um, so I didn't follow through with that plan. But so my reflection was this. Two weeks ago, you know, I stand in line and check out and stand in line number two to show my receipt. And it didn't bother me. I've been praying these prayers for quite some time now. And my reflection was this. You're not going to probably have an overnight answer to, like, you pray, God be glorified in me, and now, you know, God is glorified in you in every day. No, it's an everyday prayer. But what my reflection was this, is it didn't even bother me. Like, I was standing in that line and was glad to greet Brenda and ask how her day was, and I'm sure people give her a hard time. I would have, you know, some years ago. And so I was glad to bless her that day and, and encourage her. I didn't think anything about it. But that wasn't something that happened overnight. What my reflection was, you know, after a decade of praying these kind of prayers, you wake up one morning and you're a different person. God's name can be glorified in you. But you've got to start by praying and asking 
God, glorify your name in me. Hallowed be your name. Sanctify your name in me so that you might be glorified in this world. And where does he go next? Your kingdom come. So what is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is anywhere his rule and reign is established. So where God rules, his kingdom is, which also means where he doesn't rule, his kingdom is not. And that's why there's an invitation. Because we're saying, God, anywhere in my life that you don't rule, come in and take over. Lead me today. I need you to to allow your kingdom to rule in my life. And you can extend that prayer out. I always do. God, I just pray that you would take over in the lives of my neighbors. Your kingdom come into my neighbor's life. Your kingdom come into my coworkers, my colleagues' life. So we can extend that prayer out. So for us to have effective prayers, we first have to realign with God. So start there. In your prayer life, start by realigning with God. And then where do you go? As you pray, then you get to experience the extraordinary. That's the awesome thing about prayer. That as you approach God saying, God, I want to be used by you. God, I'm going to realign with you. Then you get these extraordinary results summarized in provision, forgiveness, and deliverance. If you're in need of provision this morning, realign yourself with God. If you're in need of forgiveness this morning, realign yourself with God. If you're in need of deliverance this morning, realign yourself with God. That we pray this prayer, God, give us today our daily bread. And what we're praying in that prayer is we're asking God, God, provide for me today bread that doesn't run out. That's what we're asking. We're saying, God, free me of the fear that what I have is not enough. Give me the confidence today that what you provide today will be there tomorrow. That's an awesome prayer. That's the kind of God we serve. Couple things in there. It's our bread. So you're not just praying for bread for yourself. You're praying for bread for others and you too. And notice that it's bread and not cake. Let's go throw that out there. We're asking God for provision, but you know, if the sweets come, okay, and if they don't, it's probably better for you. So we've got to pray for the right things when we pray for provision. And then what else do we have? Not only provision, but forgiveness. God, as I truly experience your forgiveness, I know that my heart is healed, and I then have the capacity to forgive others. Some of you today, you maybe have been walking with Jesus for some time. But are you walking in it with the understanding you truly have been forgiven? Your past does not define you. Your future is in Jesus. He makes all things new. You are forgiven. And not because I said it, because God did it. You are forgiven. Live in that. That's how you have the capacity to forgive others. If you don't live in the forgiveness of God, it's really hard for you to have the capacity to forgive others, to really forgive others. So live in the forgiveness of God. And then where do you go from there? It says, lead me not into temptation. A way to translate that is basically, God, if you see me going down a path that I shouldn't go, please don't let me go there. If you see me down a path that's going to lead me to unnecessary trial, please don't let me go there. Hey, that's a good prayer. Anybody here looking for unnecessary trials? Like, woo, sign me up. No, I don't know anybody that's looking for that. So we pray, God, you know what? You know all things. So you know if this path I'm taking is going to lead me to unnecessary trial. So God, help me not live going down that path. Help me to walk the path that you mean for me to walk. And trials will come. Jesus said in this life, you'll have troubles, but let's just face the ones he means for us to face, not add to it, right? 
Jesus builds character through trials, but let's just, God, let's stick to the ones that you mean. Let's not step into ones you don't mean for me. So how do we pray? We pray asking for alignment with God. God, you are good, and I want to be good. God, I just pray that your kingdom come in my life where it's not resident, help it to reside there so that your name might be glorified in me. We start with realignment, and then where do we go from there? And God, I need some provision. I need some bread. And I know that you can free me of the fear of not having enough and that I can have confidence it'll be there tomorrow too. And God, I just help me live in your forgiveness so I can forgive others too. And Lord, help me not walk down a path that's going to lead me to unnecessary trial. That's our prayer. That's the prayer that Jesus models for us. And so what we'd like to do this morning if, is not just talk about prayer. I think we should pray. Because as we pray, we get to experience the extraordinary. And so let's not just talk about it. Let's take a few minutes. We're just going to close today by, by taking a few minutes for prayer. Because here's my hope. I want what we're doing here to spill over into the rest of your life. May prayer spill over into your car. May prayer spill over into your home. May it go into your workplace. Let's be people of prayer. And so what I'd love for you to do is we're just going to take a couple of minutes to pray. And I'll read through this prayer here in a minute. This is just a summary of what the Lord is teaching us in prayer. And I would say this, you know, how much more could you experience out of life if you really were a person of prayer? I am convinced if we become a church that prays, greater Lafayette area has changed. That's just what happens. God works through prayer, and he invites us to be a part of that process. I was talking with one of our volunteers before our first service, and and he shared with me, he said, you know, my, my practice in prayer for a long time had been I would pray as I drove to work, and then I'd get to the parking lot and just take some time for prayer there. But what I realized was I was very distracted in that space, that people would say hi to me as they're going into work. And and so what I've done in the last couple of weeks is I wake up 30 minutes earlier and I have a dedicated time for prayer. He said, man, what a difference in my day. I walk out with abiding peace in my life. I head out knowing who I am in Christ and I I just walk out very differently in my day. So I, I encourage you this morning, let's be people of prayer. The reason the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray is because it matters. It matters in your life. We know that things will change as we pray. So here's the prayer. Father, you're good. I want to be good. Let your name be glorified in me. Let me represent you well today. Oh, Daddy, take a look at my heart where I have held back, where I've not given you entry. Come in today. Remove those things which would cause me or others harm. I want you to rule and reign in my life and in the lives of my neighbors, my friends, my family, my work colleagues. Let your kingdom come. Daddy, deliver me from the fear of not having enough. Give us bread for today and with it the confidence that tomorrow we will have enough. Father, help me to forgive others because of the way you've forgiven me. And if you see me headed down a path that will lead to unnecessary trial, please do not permit me to go. Help me avoid evil. So we're just going to take a couple of minutes for prayer. So if you want to pray on the stairs here, that's fine. If you want to pray in the seat that you're in, that's great. If you want to just turn around and kneel in the prayer or in the seat that you're in, that's great too. If you're not real sure what to pray, you can start with what's on the screen, just to kind of get you in the mode of, let's be people of prayer. And then what's going to happen, the music team's just going to come after we've prayed for a couple of minutes, and they're just going to lead us in a song, so then you can uh, rise up and just uh, continue to, we'll close out in song that way. But let's go ahead and take a few minutes, and let's just pray.